Welcome everyone to the Predictably Treacherous Podcast. Today's episode is Lady in Waiting, starring Susan Clark and Leslie Nielsen. This is episode five of season one. This episode was directed by Norman Lloyd. The teleplay was by Stephen Bacco, and the story was by Barney Slater. The original air date was December 15th, 1971, and the runtime, as always, 73 minutes. Let's get right to the episode summary. Bryce Chadwick is the head of family-owned advertising company, Ellison Chadwick. Bryce has been running more than just a company. He's been running his sister Beth's life. He disapproves of Beth's relationship to company man, Peter Hamilton. To get out from under Bryce's thumb, Beth murders Bryce and frames the murder as an accident. The murder scene. We open this episode outside of a large house at night. The camera moves inside the house, and Bryce Chadwick is sleeping in his bed. Beth Chadwick, his sister, sneaks into his room as he sleeps and removes a key from his key ring. Then she sneaks out without waking Bryce. The next morning, Beth is having breakfast at a table in the garden. The butler, Charles, is serving her. Bryce approaches, and Beth ignores him childishly. He points out that she's sulking, and that the matter, quotes, has been settled. Beth says he has no right to control her life. They're talking about Beth's relationship to Peter Hamilton, Leslie Nielsen, and it's implied that they had a previous argument about this. Bryce thinks that Peter is a gold digger, despite being a successful lawyer himself and presumably pretty well off. Bryce says that he's taken the appropriate measures to resolve the issue. Then he gets up from the table and walks off as if the conversation's finished. Beth gets up to follow him. Bryce says he has sent Peter a letter to inform him that he is to end his relationship with Beth or he'll be fired. Beth is incensed. She claims that Peter won't care about losing his job. Bryce, said his, uh, Bryce says that if Beth wasn't so wealthy, Peter wouldn't be interested in her. Beth says that Bryce is trying to run her life like their father used to. Bryce says this isn't the time and leaves the scene. Best way to end an argument. After Bryce leaves, Beth confirms with Charles that he has tomorrow off and is leaving tonight as she fondles the stolen key maniacally. In the next scene, Peter phones Beth. He's in Atlanta, but will be returning tonight and plans on dropping by to see Beth. Beth hesitates. And now this may be the first time Peter has used a telephone. He gives her about one, one and a half seconds to answer. And when she doesn't, he starts yelling, hello, hello. She's thinking about her plan for later that night. She tells Peter it'll be late and to just come by in the morning. And when they hang up, Beth places the key in her bedside table drawer and takes out a revolver. She looks at it contemplatively. So the audience gets a good look at it. And then she puts it right back in the drawer. All right, so later that night, Beth replaces a bulb in the front porch light with a burnt-out bulb. She then goes into her room and turns on the security alarm. She starts to get undressed, off-camera, and the camera pans over to the nightstand with a security alarm button on it, a giant security alarm button. She places a glass of water and some sleeping pills on the bedside table so the audience, you know, we know exactly what's going to happen. She gets the revolver out from the drawer and puts it on the table so you have a glass of water, security alarm, sleeping pills, and a revolver all right there. She gets into bed sitting up with the revolver in one hand and a box of chocolates in the other, presumably to keep her awake after taking all those sleeping pills. All right. 
So Beth starts to imagine the murder as she has planned it, and the screen blurs into a daydream sequence, or I guess a dream sequence. So in the dream, Bryce arrives by car. Okay, we're showing Bryce arrive by car. He goes to the front door, and he can't find his keys on the key ring. He's going through his keys one by one. Um, just so we know uh, that it's dark and he can't see his keys, he looks up at the outside light because actually the shot we're looking at, it looks plenty bright enough to be able to see the keys, but you know, what are you going to do? They're shooting a the show here. He can't get into the house, so he rings the doorbell a couple times. Ring, ring. No one answers. So he walks around the side of the house to Beth's bedroom and he taps on the window calling out her name. Beth, Beth. She answers him and asks, uh, he asks for her to open the front door. She says she's already in bed and to just come in through the French doors. So he's like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, don't forget to turn off the alarm. So she says, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got it. I turned off the alarm. And he comes in. And as soon as he enters, the alarm starts going off. And before he can finish asking her, why didn't you turn off the alarm? She shoots him. So she quickly gets up out of bed. Um, she puts his key back on the key ring where it should be. And she takes his briefcase and she smashes one of the little window panes on the French door from the outside. So the glass comes to the inside and it looks like he did it. Uh, and she calmly walks through the house to the front door and she drops the keys in the bushes out front by the porch. So, you know, it looks like he was fumbling around for his keys. And he dropped them in the bushes, but it was too dark and it's a perfect little story. Then we hear the voice of a detective in Beth's head asking Beth if uh, a key ring that they found in the bushes belonged to her brother. Another detective says he must have lost his keys and walked around to her French doors and knocked, and when she didn't answer, he broke the glass and entered. Then Beth says she heard the glass break and I thought it was a burglar and started shooting. Then the detective says it was obviously a mistake, a terrible mistake. A terrible mistake. A terrible mistake. And the dream sequence comes to an end. And Beth's sitting up in bed and she's smiling. She's imagining her perfect plan unfolding. All right, so the next scene shows a plane landing at an airport. And then Peter Hamilton walking into his penthouse apartment. He flips furiously through the mail, flipping him over, you know what I mean? And then he opens one of the letters that interests him. He reads it and he says, well, that does it. I mean, he obviously, it's, it's a letter from, uh, from Bryce. I mean, uh, who really says, well, that does it. Just then, uh, we're shown Bryce arrive at home for real. Okay, not the Beth Daydream, but he's at home for real. He approaches the front door, and he can't find his key on the key ring. Just like in Beth's dream, he's kind of flipping through his little keys, looking at them, and he can't find it. And the porch light is out, and he actually, he looks up at the porch light, exactly like in the dream. Then Bryce rings the doorbell, just like in the dream. Beth gets out from under her covers and braces herself against the poster, uh, one of the posters of her bed, and she aims her gun at the window. A little bit premature. I mean, Bryce is still ringing the doorbell, but meanwhile, Peter Hamilton arrives at the house outside of the front gate. He's flying up there. He's going really fast, and there's no seat belts. I guess it's back in the early 70s, and when his car screeches to a stop, uh, you can kind of see him like lean forward a bit. I don't know. If there's someone else in the car, they'd be right through the windshield so back in her room beth waits for bryce but he doesn't come she's waiting for a while she's waiting for a while she kind of lowers the gun and then suddenly bryce enters beth's room by the bedroom door he says oh i lost my key uh but he got in with a spare key and beth just shoots him anyway she doesn't know what to do she wants to stick to the plan 
so why did Bryce come into Beth's room at all? If he had a spare key and he got in, well, first of all, why did he ring the doorbell? Oh, anyways, but he gets in. Why didn't he just head off to the living room, fix himself a gin and tonic, and start watching Johnny Carson? Why did he go into Beth's room and be like, hey, Beth, why didn't you let me in? I let myself in with the spare key. Anyways, so Peter hears the shots. And uh, he jumps the front gate because he's concerned. And he runs to the house. And Beth hits the alarm. And then frantically replaces Bryce's house key on the key ring and pockets his spare key. She drags Bryce's body to the window. And then she walks to the front door to retrieve Bryce's briefcase. She returns to her room and she breaks the pane of glass with the briefcase as planned. And then the doorbell rings several times. And it's this weird effect with the camera where it zooms in, it kind of comes out and in and out. And it's a really dizzying sort of effect. So Beth is shocked and she doesn't know what to do. She looks really panicked. Uh, she looks for a place to stash the spare key and she places it behind a statue by the front door. She opens the door and right away she just tells Peter, I shot Bryce, I shot Bryce. So Peter runs to the bedroom and he checks on the body. So meanwhile, Beth um, takes Bryce's keys and then drops them in the bushes. And she picks up the spare key from behind the statue, and Peter returns and tells Beth that Bryce is dead. The Columbo Intro. The next scene, the cops are at the home, and an ambulance is taking the body away. Inside, there are several detectives milling around, and Columbo is reading a newspaper. A couple of the detectives are questioning Beth. She confirms that there is an alarm and that entering the house by the front door with a key will shut off the alarm. She says that she didn't feel very well yesterday, so she didn't go out all day, and she went to bed at 9.30. Columbo's hovering around behind her and listening. Columbo confirms with her that she didn't go out all day. You didn't go out all day? No. You stayed in? Yes. Peter tells the detectives that he was at the front gate when he heard the shots. He explains that he and Beth are in a relationship and Bryce disapproved and he came over to kind of confront Bryce after he received that letter. Columbo asks if the newspaper belongs to Peter. He says no. An officer says that they found the keys in the bushes by the front door and that the front porch light is burnt out. A detective asks Beth to go over what happened one more time. Beth retells her story up to the point where Bryce is shot confirming what the detectives already suspect to be true, that Bryce's shooting was a terrible accident. Peter interrupts at that point and says that Beth is exhausted and will be available for questioning in the morning. The he knows scene. As the detectives start to leave, Columbo asks Beth if she and her brother are the only ones who live in the house. Let's listen to the clip. Excuse me. Were you and your brother the only ones that were living here? Well, yes. Well, except for Charles and the maid. My mother moved to Palm Desert after my father died. Who is Charles? The butler. I suppose he's off tonight. Yes. Great big place, isn't it? Well, good night. That's a great clip. As Columbo walks away... Beth gives him a long, serious look of concern. She knows he knows. That was definitely the best scene in the episode. 
Okay, so the next day, outside of the house, a yellow cab pulls into the driveway, and an old woman and a yappy dog get out. Columbo's on a ladder. He's inspecting the burnt-out light bulb. The old woman retrieves her dog and tells Columbo to get her luggage and pay the cab. Not very nice. Columbo gets the luggage while the cabbie watches. He's not very nice either. He's not very helpful. He pays the cabbie $11 and hauls the luggage into the house. The old woman is Beth's mother. Inside the house, Columbo introduces himself and is quick to tell Mrs. Chadwick, the mother, that the cab fare was $11. There's a great headshot picture of Bryce on a table in the background behind Columbo. Again, I, I can't reiterate this enough. I, I have to do this in my own life. This, this keeps coming up again and again, and it looks really good. Bryce is in a suit looking stern and sort of leaning in from the, to the shot from the left side. This must be a 70s thing. Beth enters the room. The mother makes a disapproving face. It occurred to me here that the actress playing Beth's mother could be the same actress who plays Aunt Edna in the first vacation movie, where they go to Wally World and she dies, but they don't know that she's dead. Anyways, I checked IMDb and she's not the same actress. While we're on a tangent, Susan Clark, uh, who plays Beth Chadwick, she kind of looks like Denise Crosby, sort of around the eyes. As far as I know, they're not related. Right, so Beth has entered the room. Miss Chadwick makes a face and walks over to Beth and she just slaps her. She says, that's for killing your brother. Beth apologizes to Columbo for the embarrassment. Columbo wants to have a word with Mrs. Chadwick, the mother, and so he asks Beth if he can have some coffee and she leaves to get it. Miss Chadwick tells Columbo that Bryce ran the business and the family since her husband passed away and she doesn't know who's going to run the business now. But just then, Beth returns into the room and she says she intends to run the company. Miss Chadwick is incredulous. She doesn't take Beth seriously at this point. Columbo asks Beth who brought the newspaper in last night. Beth suggests that it was simply delivered, but Columbo says it was a late edition. Instead of just saying, then I don't know, Beth suggests that it may have been Bryce's newspaper and she may have brought it in from the bedroom to the front door in her confusion and shock after she shot him. Columbo doesn't think this is very consistent with leaving the briefcase in her bedroom. So Mrs. Chadwick says that Columbo is cross-examining Beth, and he says that he's just trying to get it straight in his mind. Columbo's about to leave, and he asks Miss Chadwick for the $11. She says she'll mail him a check, but he isn't having that, so she forks over the 11 bucks. The next scene is at the L.A. County Courthouse at a hearing to determine whether Bryce's shooting was an accident or not. The jury finds that the death was an accident, and Beth is ecstatic. She tells Peter that she's going to make some changes and break some patterns. She asks Peter to call a meeting of the department heads tomorrow to discuss a company reorganization. Now those are some serious changes. Columbo had been listening from the gallery. He invites Peter to lunch, and Peter accepts. So they go to a 50s-style drive-in diner. It's pretty cool. The waitress is pretty fresh with Columbo, as they usually are. I don't know whether this is a sassy 70s thing as well, but um, the people are pretty fresh, you know, waitresses usually with Columbo. When the food arrives, Peter opens the hamburger. This is good. He opens up the hamburger to look at the contents and he just puts it down and he starts drinking his coffee. With a mouthful of burger, Columbo asks Peter why he drove over to Beth so late on the night of the murder. Now, Peter already brought this up, but... Peter explains about getting the letter and rushing over in anger to have it out with Bryce. He asks Columbo if he thinks they conspired to kill Bryce, and Columbo says no. 
Then Peter tells Columbo that he's not a fortune hunter and he was prepared to quit the company to be with Beth. Let's listen to the clip. Suppose you ask the question that you haven't asked. Whether or not I'm a fortune hunter. Well, I never intend. I'm not. I love Beth. With her money or without her money. As a matter of fact, I was quite prepared to quit the company. Of course, that won't be necessary now. No, that won't. But I won't be a hypocrite, Lieutenant. I'm sorry about poor Bryce being killed, but... It has gotten Beth out from under his thumb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, way out. Huh? What's that supposed to mean? Way out? Well, uh, you know, uh, in a courtroom, I overheard her say that she was breaking patterns. Now, uh, this is a terrible thing to admit, but uh, I think that, in a way, her brother's death is the best thing that ever happened to her. That's a nice clip. And Columbo's right. That was the best thing that ever happened to Beth. And it looked like it really got Peter thinking. See, this is where I, I like Leslie Nielsen in this role as a straight man. Uh, he actually looks like, yeah, that what Columbo said made him start thinking. So he's silent and he gives a long look after this conversation. In the next scene, Columbo is snooping around at the Chadwicks. Beth just got a blue Camaro delivered. Charles and the maid approach Columbo and ask what he's doing. He ignores their question and asks Charles about the Camaro and where Beth is. Charles tells him it's new and it was just delivered and that Beth is at Eugene's beauty parlor. Columbo tries to shake Charles, but Charles is not having it and he just follows Columbo around until he leaves. So Columbo drives to Eugene's to question Beth. <sighs> I like the receptionist. She makes uh, Columbo leave his cigar at reception before he enters the room where Beth is getting her hair done. The room is nauseating. There's a bright red carpet, pink painted walls, and huge glass chandeliers. Beth is in a chair getting her hair and nails done while two employees attend to her. She sees Columbo and asks what he's doing there, and he compliments her on the car, points out that it was a big change, and says it's only natural to want to make changes when there's a death in the family. It's very common. He asks if she had to order the car in advance, and she admits that she ordered it a couple of weeks ago, and then Columbo looks confused, um, because how did Beth know in advance of her brother's death that she was going to change her style? And Beth just sort of ignores the question. They finish doing her hair, and she stands up to model it, and Columbo says, yeah, you look sensational. I'd say you were a new woman. And that was not about the hair. So they leave. Columbo follows Beth to her house. He shows her the path that her brother likely took around the side of the house on the night of the murder. A Thursday, apparently. The gardener cuts the grass on Thursdays. And Columbo says that Bryce must have gotten grass particles on his shoes. But the op autopsy pictures, they don't show any grass on his shoes. And Beth says the grass must have come off on the carpet. And the carpets have been cleaned since then, so it's too bad. They go around to the front of the house. Columbo gets on the stepladder and brings down a potted plant. So there's an imprint in the soil of where there was a key stored. So Columbo says it must have been a spare key. And Beth says it was hers, but she removed it recently. Then apparently Beth's had enough. She tells Columbo, that's it. I, I want you to stop bothering me. The death was declared an accident. Um, I don't want to see you again. And then she politely says, goodbye, and walks into her house. 
All right, in the next scene, Peter and Beth are in a posh clothing store. Beth is shopping for a new wardrobe to match her new flashy car and her new flashy image. Inexplicably, there's a pool table and a bar inside the store. Peter is playing pool and drinking a scotch while Beth is whirlwinding around trying on sexy outfits. Peter says that maybe it's too soon for the meeting with the department heads. Maybe they should wait a week. Beth disagrees. She says it must be today, which is kind of interesting. Didn't they just have that hearing? And she said, I want to meet with the department heads tomorrow. So this is like she and Columbo were at the house looking at stuff. She's getting her hair and nails done now. She's getting new outfits. And the meeting is today. Just seems very jam-packed, very quick. Beth tries on an outfit that is midriff bearing and definitely not suitable for a corporate environment. And Peter says it's wild and out of her style. And Beth says she doesn't think so. Peter says he's going back to the office and Beth tells him to stay. And then Peter says he doesn't know what's gotten into her, but he doesn't like it. And he leaves. Again, Leslie Nielsen, great job here. So now at the meeting with the department heads, Beth is wearing a crazy outfit. It's kind of a purple, paisley, three-quarter length coat with shoulder flaps. And underneath, there's a pink accent turtleneck, and she has a matching pink oversized poor boy cap. It's just, it's incredible. She calls a meeting to order and immediately announces that she is taking over the presidency of the company. Peter is elevated to executive VP in charge of accounts, and the company philosophy is changing. She gets some flack from an executive, but shuts him down immediately. She then announces that she and Peter are engaged, and the meeting abruptly ends. This meeting took two minutes. Mrs. Chadwick tells Beth that she must be out of her mind and reminds her that she herself is the majority stakeholder. Beth says she's willing to go to court to fight for power if she doesn't get cooperation from her mother. Peter watches in silence. He sees how Beth has changed. So now Columbo arrives, and Beth is smug. Columbo brings out a light bulb from the front porch. He shows her how clean it is, and he remarks that bulbs that have been in use long enough to burn out are usually pretty dirty. Beth says that servants cleaned it. They worked during the daytime, so how would they know that it's burnt out? She then stops and says, okay, enough again. Um, I don't ever want to see you again. Um, she says she doesn't have time to indulge in his suspicions and that if he thinks he has a case against her, he should go to the district attorney. It's very good, very clear. So he gives her back the bulb and then he leaves. And as soon as he's out of the, the door, she throws the bulb against the wall and she screams at Peter. Uh, she says, you're a lawyer, you do something. And Peter tells her to calm down. He asks what's gotten into her. He says, we never argued like this before. And Beth feels this. and uh, She loves Peter. She asks, what's bothering him? And Peter tells her that the arbitrary promotion, quotes, smacked of high-level nepotism, his words. And announcing their engagement without consulting him was insulting. He says, she's changed so much that he's not sure that she's the same woman that he fell in love with. And she says, maybe Bryce was right. Maybe the Bryce was right. Maybe the Price is right. And that Peter's not the right man for her. She suddenly looks cold. She withdraws from Peter, and then she leaves. So let's recap what's happened thus far. In an attempt to get out from under her brother's thumb, 
Beth Chadwick murders her brother and frames it as an accident. After Bryce's death, Beth makes such profound changes in her life that it starts to drive a wedge between her and boyfriend Peter Hamilton. Now Columbo needs to convince Peter that Bryce's death was not an accident so that Peter can provide the proof necessary to make an arrest. The Get Scene In the next scene, Peter is in a bar drinking. He's upset about the fight with Beth. Columbo is there drinking coffee. Peter approaches him. Columbo is reading the transcript from the coroner's jury trial. Peter tells Columbo that he's a devious man, that he keeps hanging around. He asks Columbo why he's hounding Beth. And he asks Columbo if he really thinks that Beth killed her brother. And Columbo says, he does. Columbo tells Peter that he found the answer in the transcript and that Peter can help. And Peter agrees to help. In the next scene, Beth is in bed, just like on the night of the murder. Although this time, she's drinking and smoking in bed. She's clearly changed. Someone makes a noise outside of her window. At first, she thinks it's a burglar, but then she quickly realizes that it's probably Columbo. She picks up her gun and points it at the window and invites Columbo in for a drink. She goes to the window after a few moments when nothing happens, and she pulls back the curtain, and then Columbo enters the room through the door the way Bryce did on the night of the murder. Let's listen to the clip. This is the way your brother came in that night, isn't it? How did you get in? Same way your brother did with a spare key. I came to arrest you for the murder of your brother. And I did have a reason for coming in this way. I wanted to see the look on your face. You know what's ironic? I knew it wasn't an accident the first night. I knew it as soon as I saw that newspaper, but I didn't have any proof. I had to wait for the proof. I had to wait for your fiancé to give it to me. From Peter? Yes, ma'am. Although I don't think he meant to. You see, according to your story, you were asleep at night. The alarm woke you up. You reached for a gun. And you shot what you thought was a burglar. Which is exactly what happened. Couldn't be. Because Mr. Hamilton, who was driving up outside at the time, he heard both the shots and the alarm. Of course he did. What difference does that make? Oh, big difference. He heard the shots first. Then the alarm. That's the cart before the horse. I mean, how could the alarm wake you if the shots came first? You see, what really happened was your brother came walking in here just the way I did tonight. And you shot him. And then you set the alarm a few seconds later. All right, so that was a great episode. I really enjoyed the uh, performance of Leslie Nielsen this episode. Let's talk a little bit about what he's been in, a little bit about his background. So I'm sure you all know who Leslie Nielsen is. Um, he's born in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, where I am. He's born in 1926. He died in 2010. He was active as an actor from 1950 until 2011. So 60 years, that's quite a long time. I guess in the earlier part of his career, it's my understanding that he was mostly in serious roles like this. Um, And it was only towards the end of his career when he did more comedic roles, which is what I think most of us think of when we think of Leslie Nielsen, at least people my age anyway. Um, I think some of the uh, recurring roles that he had uh, were in Police Squad, uh, The Love Boat, 
Fantasy Island, Canon, Kung Fu, and of course, Columbo. He's in two episodes of Columbo, um, this one. And in season five, I believe, um, and in both episodes, he's actually a victim, at least a victim of sorts. I mean, this episode, he technically wasn't a victim. Um, he was, uh, he didn't get killed. Um, I think his major roles are uh, the Naked Gun. I think most people, um, contemporary, think of him as a comedic actor from the Naked Gun or Police Story. And I think of him uh, primarily from Airplane, actually. If you think about it, though, comedians in... Um, I really seem to enjoy comedians uh, in straight roles. Um, if you think of Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting, I mean, say what you will about Goodwill Hunting, but Robin Williams is really good in that film. Um, actually, Dead Poets Society, then. You can take that one. That was a great film. Robin Williams was really good in it. It's really more of a straight man role. I mean, it was a little bit amusing, but um, it wasn't a comedy, per se. Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He's great in that. I, I, I carry Jim Carrey, I'm not really too into him, but I did like him in that film. I thought he did really well. And I didn't see Will Ferrell in uh, what's it, Stranger Than Fiction, but people tell me that Ferrell was actually magnificent. You know, he was really good. Um, I think he plays an auditor, which uh, you can't get more of a straight man than being an auditor. <laughs> so Susan Clark who played uh, Beth Chadwick. She was born in Sarnia, Ontario, Canada. So a uh, couple of Canadian guest stars. That's nice. She's born in 1940, and she's still alive and kicking, as far as I know, according to IMDb. Her acting career spanned from 1963, looks like, to 1999. And I guess she's known primarily for uh, Porky's and, and Webster. Uh, wow. So as a villain in this episode, she was very good, very good, excellent, in fact. I mean, she was confident, um, demanding. She was sure of herself. And she even had temper tantrums, which is great. And she always told Columbo that she was sick of him, get away, which I love. Um, it's also great to see a female villain. One thing I like about the Beth character and, and what she did was that um, she had a, she had a good plan. Um, but things don't always go as planned in real life, which is, is really good. She didn't really have a good plan for contingencies, right? Um, there's the old chestnut. If you don't have a plan, then you have a plan to fail. Well, at least Beth had a plan, but it wasn't really well thought out. I mean, if one thing went wrong in her plan, she was scrambling. So, um, And I did enjoy the dream sequence a lot. Uh, it really gave you a sense of what, Beth was imagining and then when things started to go awry it really reinforced that you know things usually don't go according to plan in real life um yeah so I really enjoyed this episode uh next week on the predictably treacherous podcast we have short fuse starring Roddy McDowell and James Gregory here's a brief summary to prevent the merger of the family chemical company, Roger Sanford murders CEO slash uncle Clarence Buckner with a bomb in a cigar box. Tune in next week.
Thank you.